This is The Creator Revealed, a production of 3ABN Television. Welcome to The Creator Revealed. I'm Tim Standish. I'm a scientist who works for the Geoscience Research Institute. And we are so glad that you are joining us today. I'm Shelley Quinn. I'm here to represent the average person who's just going, when he tells us these things. What we do in the first segment, the first 15 minutes, we will be talking about some scientific fact that I think you will find fascinating because we'll show how God, our creator, is revealed in his creation. And then we'll come back with the second half to have a biblical application, a discussion of this. So please stay tuned for the entire program. What are we going to learn today? Well, we're going to learn something that many people have an incorrect view of. It's about fossils. People believe that fossils somehow or other are irrefutable proof of Charles Darwin's theory of evolution. The reality is actually quite the opposite. When we look at those fossils, they tell us something about the Creator. Amen. So before we actually get into that, I want to draw your attention to a text that was written by the Apostle Paul to the people in Ephesus. Okay. okay. This is Ephesians 5.32. And Paul wrote this. He said, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. The way I want to apply that text with fossils is like this. Fossils are remains of organisms that lived in the past. Unfortunately, we can't do time travel and go back and actually see what happened. So in, a, in many ways, they are a great mystery. They're a mystery, yes. And it's a mystery that is profound. Because we can't go back in time, yes. we can't really know certain things about them. For example, we don't know what sounds fossil organisms made. If so we don't know how a dinosaur sounded. He could have been exactly. squeaky. He could have been squeaky. He could have been silent. He might have hissed like a lizard. We just don't okay. know. And we cannot realistically know. We can speculate and that's all. So let's look at a dinosaur. Okay. I've, I've got a great dinosaur. Oh, Here, this, is, is. this is the tallest dinosaur that's known. And uh, when you look at that, it's pretty big. In fact, it's about 13.27 meters tall. 40 feet? About 40 feet, yes. 13, 13 uh, well, a meter is a little bit over a yard. It's about 39 inches. So we're talking about a very, very tall. very tall creature. Very intimidating to meet him when you're out picking berries, I'm sure. Yes, you know, I, I think I probably wouldn't want to get trodden on by him. But the good news is this particular dinosaur, like many other dinosaurs, they're, they're commonly vegetarian. 
<laughs> there, there, obviously, there are meat-eating dinosaurs. We all know about T-Rex and, and dinosaurs like that. But no, this was a vegetarian and uh, probably ate an awful lot of vegetables, let's put it that way. <laughs> um, when I look at something like this, a word comes to, the, to my mind, and it's a, great, it's a great sounding word. I love the way it comes off your tongue. It's teleology. It sounds like something you might do in the afternoon in England. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Morning teleology and afternoon teleology, but it means something quite different. It's built off the root word tele, something out there, something a long way away, like a telescope. You're looking at something far away. The idea with teleology is uh, something that, uh, a situation where you have a goal out there, somewhere out there, and it's moved towards, it's, it's a goal, an intelligent being has a goal and then makes, does work to get towards that goal. It could be walking towards it. It could be engineering, for example. There's a goal of making something, an aeroplane or a car or, okay. or a, a computer, anything like that. There's that goal. Having a design yeah. and a plan. And, exactly. And... But it exists first in the, in the brain and then in reality. Okay. okay. Yeah. So that's the idea. Now, fossil organisms, like living organisms, had complex integrated systems that were necessary for their survival. Sure. Circulatory systems, muscle systems, skeletal systems, nervous systems, all of those had to work together. That's an indicator that there was some sort of teleology involved. They, something, someone was working towards the goal of making a dinosaur. And uh, yeah, so somebody anticipated their need, the dinosaur's need or, or the other fossil organism's need and thought of a solution to every problem that needed to be solved for them to live. Okay. That had to be solved first before they could come into existence. It's not something you could muddle your way towards. Once you have the dinosaur, you might be able to have it grow a little bit bigger or a little bit smaller or something like that. But the basic systems all had to be in place first. Especially for that big dude. Oh, my, If he's going to yes. pump <laughs> yeah. his circulation. In, in our experience, only intelligence is capable of doing yeah. this, having that plan and integrating everything and making it happen. So teleology is something we can look at in all living things, but we can also see evidence of it in fossil things. So when we talk about that incredibly tall dinosaur, we can see that there was some teleology involved, some intelligence involved in its production, in making it, in creating it. And we can do that by looking at a modern organism, okay. the tallest living animal. Giraffe. Giraffe, right. Now, a really tall giraffe would hit about six meters. So it's pushing about 20, 20 feet, a little less than 20 feet. And um, there are all sorts of things, we, design things we could talk about with, dinos, uh, with, with giraffes, but let's look at a problem that they have to solve, an engineering problem that would also have been solved by the dinosaur. So let's see how they solve okay. it. It's called hydrostatic pressure. This is basically the problem that they face when they're trying to get blood up to the top of their head. Um, when you're pumping blood up, obviously their heart is down in their body. It's, it's um, going uh, against gravity. It's going against gravity. It's pumping it up there. So the blood has to go up about three meters. That's about 10 feet. 
that it has to go. That's, that's a lot of weight of blood that you've got to push up. Yes. So therefore, you've got to have very high blood pressure if you want to do that. And when you look at the numbers, it's quite shocking, really. 280 over 180 uh, is. is their normal blood pressure. A human being with blood pressure that high would, would not have it for very out. long. Well, they'd, exactly. Our blood vessels would explode under those circumstances. So but they have to have very strong blood vessels. They've got very vessels, strong yeah. blood vessels, okay. right. And, of course, that also means that they must have a very powerful heart. Now, some people, people used to think, oh, that means they have a really huge heart, but they don't. They have a heart that, on the outside at least, is about the same size as, as you would expect for an animal of their size. It's I've not, always heard that giraffes had large hearts, no, but that's they, not... they really don't. Huh, but what they do is they have very thick walls on their heart. Okay. So the heart is a muscle, right? And the muscle, there's a lot of muscle there, which means that inside that space, that, yeah, the ventricles where the blood is, flows in and then is squeezed out under pressure as it's pumped out, the ventricles are actually quite small. Okay. Hmm. So that they means that every time... Exactly. That means every time they squeeze, it's just a little bit of blood that goes out. So, but they have to put out a lot of blood. So what can they do? Go fast. That's right. They can pump fast. So their heart beats very, very fast relative to ours or other organisms. Yeah. So they have this rapid heartbeat. And then finally, they have a really interesting problem because we've been talking about getting the blood up to the top, right? Up to the top of their head. But what happens to that blood that went all the way down to the bottom? It has to come back up from the tip of their foot all the way back up into their body and back to their heart. So how does it get squeezed back? Tight skin. Like pressure hose. Like, like pressure hose, exactly. <laughs> Squeezing funny. the blood back up how into their interesting. body. So the, you yeah. can see then that however these were created, we believe God created, it had to be an intelligent creator who looked ahead and planned for every step for this creature to exist as a species that's different than you and I. Exactly. Very good. Teleology. Teleology. Intelligence. Yes. Um, God. Yes. Uh, that's Amen. that's, that's a, 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 a logical uh, way of moving forward. Then when we look at, at other kinds of fossils, what we can see is we can look at living things that they are essentially the same as. So, for example, here I'm showing you a nautilus shell and a fossil nautilus shell on the left there. So about and how old would it supposed to be? Um, this particular one, I'm not entirely sure, but it would be millions of years, according to the... the, the and, yet, and yet you can see how much evolution has occurred over those millions of years. No. If they, if they were there, yeah. So if and you we want to yeah. clarify, because I don't want someone riding this station that we don't believe it's been millions of years. Exactly. That, but that's what many scientists... What, what, what the fossils do not show is change. I mean, um, yes. here, this is what a modern Nautilus looks like, but this is a grasshopper. Um, we can see it's a, pretty much same the same as, as a modern grasshopper. What's this? That's a dragonfly. It's a dragonfly. And, and he looks, had four wings. That's right, just like a modern dragonfly. This one I love. This is a, a lizard, a, a kind of gecko, gecko, actually. And geckos will drop their tails sometimes, well, and a new one grows back. 
this, this ancient one. He's regrowing a he's tail. He's regrowing a tail. So the ancient lizard had the ability, or the ancient gecko had the ability that we see in the modern lizards. What we don't see is evolution. evolution. That's amazing. Uh, we might see things lost, but we certainly don't see evolution. Um, there's a shark. I mean, we can recognize all of these things. But I want to get to this. Fossil organisms also suggest behavioral complexity. It's not just the, the, um, the, 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 the morphology, the, the organs and those sorts of things. They're behavior. And the example I want to use is a marsupial. This like is a, a kangaroo? Like a kangaroo. This happens to be the largest marsupial fossil out there, diprotodon. But I want to just point out that modern, modern marsupials Take and this care is of the ones young. who carry their babies in a pouch, exactly. in a pocket. Okay. Here in the United States, we have a marsupial. I have them uh, on my deck every <laughs> day. And a, a, a possum. I went running out one morning because my dog was barking, and I saw this, this mother Cat? possum, and she was exhibiting a behavior. She had all of her little darlings there on her back, and she was oh. not going to let that How many cat. does she have? have a, let's have a look. Oh, look. Can you count them? One, I don't two, know. Three, what four, a fabulous five, six, mother. Nine. What a, you know what? Oh, I, I want to have a pet one of those things, and nobody seems to understand why. They're just so gorgeous. <laughs> lovely, lovely creatures. But the point is, ancient creatures, they had to have behaviors to take care of their young. So. What does this reveal about the creator? I'm suggesting at least a couple of things. First, he encourages thoughtfulness in people. As we study these fossils, we need to be thoughtful. We have to understand that we don't understand everything about them, but we can see evidence of their creation and they tell us something about God himself. Yes. And we see the same wisdom love, yes. and the, the value that God placed on diversity when he did his creation. We see it in modern organisms and we see it in ancient organisms. And it just supports that God is love, God is all powerful, and we're excited to come back in just a moment. We're gonna be gone for 60 seconds, so stay tuned because we will come back to look at the biblical application of these principles. Welcome to the Minute That Makes a Difference. I'm Margot Marshall. What difference would it make if you ate beans on a regular basis? There are 10 compelling reasons, and here's one. Beans significantly lower the risk of prediabetes. How? Beans such as lentils, chickpeas, etc. produce less than half the blood sugar spike than the same amount of carbs in the form of bread, pasta or potatoes. But the amazing thing is that beans also moderate blood sugar at the next meal, even if it's the next day. It's been dubbed the second meal effect. There are dozens of different beans, so enjoy them every day in soups, salads, casseroles or on toast for breakfast. Beans make a difference. Welcome back to The Creator Revealed. 
I was telling Tim, I don't know if it is his doctorate in biology or if it is his accent that makes him look so intelligent. But guess what? We've got his boss with us today, and now you've got some competition. <laughs> you there want we to go. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's fun working at the Geoscience Research Institute because uh, I have a group of colleagues who are so uh, interesting and know so much. Trust me. We keep one another humble. I'll bet. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it's, it's enjoyable to discuss the very things that we are talking about in this uh, The Creator Revealed series. Now, up until uh, this point in this, in this particular episode, we've been talking about design in fossils, but I've been concentrating mainly on dinosaurs and the idea that, um, hey, you know, we find organisms living today, they look designed, and we find fossils of those same organisms. Designed that, the same way. So we'd expect that they, you know, <laughs> it's just, just sort of reasonably consistent to, 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 to believe that, in fact, those fossils represent designed organisms as well. Uh, Dr. Gibson has made a study of a kind of fossil called an ammonite. Now that sounds like something from the Bible. It does. But let's let him explain these to us a little bit. Welcome, Dr. Gibson. Thank you. So I just happen to have here with me a, a, a fossil ammonite shell. It's uh, interesting. It, to, it uh, looks to sort look of like it. a snail. Yeah, except it's kind of flat. There's some flat snails too, yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it's almost like a snail is. Um, notice that it has a spiral shape to it. You notice that spiral there? That's yeah. kind of cool. I, I kind of like the shape of this. It reminds me of a chambered nautilus, which you probably have heard about not long ago. Um, there's there's some differences between the nautilus and the uh, ammonite. Uh, so they're, they're different kinds of things, but there's very a lot of similarity too. Uh, I just have this little toy here that illustrates what the thing looked like. If I can get it here where you so It looks a little bit like a squid or an octopus. Like yes. Yeah. It, it, in fact, it is a lot like a squid or an octopus with a shell on it. Uh, it's kind of an unusual thing. But notice that spiral shape again. And I, I kind of like that spiral shape. It's interesting. And... One of the interesting things about it is it has a mathematical basis. There's an actual, you can write an equation for a spiral. And I think, wow, that got created uh, by a great mathematician. Amen. It's great to, to think though, that God is, a, is such a genius at mathematics, not just because of the spiral of this, of course, but because mathematics is found throughout nature. Yeah, that's really kind of a remarkable thing that, that, that in, in, in all living things we find these, that mathematics can describe things that... Yes. That, I mean, why do they have to... Why, why does it have to be that way? Well, it probably doesn't. It's just that mathematics is, is the basis of, of the universe, apparently, but also in living things. Quite, quite incredible. Yes, I think it tells us something about the, the creator. 
he's a mathematician. He invented mathematics, I guess. <laughs> well, the, uh, the beauty, I should say that the interest, and I think it's beauty too, the interest in that shell, a spiral shape is kind of interesting. In fact, I think it's okay to say that it's beautiful. And that beauty that I see in the ammonite shell, I see it in the uh, nautilus shell, the chambered nautilus and other things, it makes me wonder, why should nature be beautiful? And why am I able to appreciate that beauty? I don't, I mean, I've got a couple of house cats. I don't see them admiring beautiful things. And I haven't noticed other animals doing that. Why me and you? Why do we appreciate beauty? And I think it's because we were created in the image of a God who himself appreciates and loves beauty. And I, I, I find that interesting. Uh, it, it is the interesting God that, 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 the that again, God, yeah, an, an unnecessary correlation really, isn't it? The, the creation uh -huh. is beautiful and we have minds that are capable of appreciating yes. that beauty. Yeah. Um, it didn't, doesn't seem like it would have to be that way because of the laws of physics or, or maybe some other explanation like natural selection. Why, why would it be that way? Well, if you believe that the character of the creator involves um, uh, beauty and wanting to give pleasure to other beings, then it makes an awful lot of sense. Yes. Um, but if you're not talking about something like the God of the Bible, it makes no sense at all. That's yeah. true. So what I'm, what yes, I'm curious- if we go back to the- I'm sorry, go ahead. If we, if we go back to that Ammonite and put, take a look, you'll see he's got an eye. Mm. And look at, now of course, this is just a toy but it's believed that the eye of the Ammonite did look a lot like that. And part of the reason for that, of course, is by comparison with the chambered novelist, when we can see the eye and see that it's quite technically advanced, quite sophisticated. So there's another thing we can learn about design in the Ammonite. The eye is carefully crafted with not only physical uh, parts that are put together in a in a functional sequence but molecular machines that are in the you know where we can't see them particularly but the idea of vision is spectacular uh our engineering feat yeah it's, it's I, one of those I, I see the creator must be an engineer beyond our experience yeah when you start looking at organisms you can appreciate them all the way down from, yes. from, the, from the gross structure, the yeah. environment they live in, all the way down into the actual molecules that they're made of. Quite, quite remarkable. So what's, it, what's inside that shell? What's, what's going on with it? Well, if you split the shell open, you'll, you'll find, and here's, here's an example of an ammonite with its shell split open. It's very beautiful. You'll see that it has a series. You can see the spiral very clearly there. And you can see that it has a series of chambers. There are little lines dividing the chambers. It seems that the animal started out living in the smallest one at the center of the spiral. 
And then as it outgrew the chamber, it added another one and so in a spiral. So the spiral grew as the animal grew, leaving a series of chambers behind it, the animal living in the outermost chamber. That is kind of cool. And so when you have those empty chambers, you might ask, well, is there anything you can do with those empty chambers? And the answer is yes. Uh, you can fill them with gas or water, pumping them back and forth through a little tube. And by doing that, you can regulate the density of the ammonite, and then it can move up or down in the water. Mm. And so it could control the buoyancy, its ability to move up and down in the water, by controlling the amount of gas in these little chambers. So, so basically, oh, I'm sorry, I was just going to say, there's a definite function to the design. And that's what we see in yes. everything God created. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's interesting to me is the, is the combining of this very practical thing that allows this organism mm. to decide where it's going to be in the water by adjusting the amount of gas inside, inside those chambers and, and yet the beauty yes. as well. It's not, it's not an ugly thing. It turns out to be a beautiful and practical thing. Form and function going together. Yes. yes. And the, if you could imagine this, this shell with an animal in it, the animal living near the uh, end here, in the, probably in a chamber that isn't preserved here. But then that means all these other chambers are filled with gas. So that would tell you that the chambers filled with gas would be uppermost in the water. So you could predict that the animal would be floating around something like this, with the, most of the chambers above it and the animal on the bottom side. Oh, fabulous. So, or, it's, so it's actually orienting itself as a result of it. But that yeah. would also be a protective design then, right? I guess so, yeah. Well, thank yeah, you. It controls thank you. Its, uh, its position. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Gibson. It's been a real pleasure. It makes me want to go out and get my own, uh, my own fossil ammonite. I enjoyed talking about the ammonite. Uh, thank <laughs> thank you. Thank you very Gibson. much. You know, it's just so fascinating to me that what makes us different than animals, we've already discussed that animals and humans were made of the dust of the ground. We have the, we both have the breath of the life, life in us. us. Yes. But what makes us different is that God created us with a specific function. And we see that everything God creates has a function and a form. And this is really fascinating. Yeah. Well, in, in the case of human beings, what I love is he gave us this particular role in his creation, yes. this function in his creation, and he equipped us for that role. So our ability, for example, to do mathematics, this complex abstract mathematics is useful to us as we um, uh, care for the creation, as we study the creation, and we learn so much more about God's wisdom and God's character uh, from these incredible things. Even these fossils, where the design is so clear and so beautiful at the same time. 
He is an amazing God. He is the artist. Yes. Well, I want to thank our audience for joining us for this particular episode. If you're fascinated by fossils, well, then you're a lot like me. But we are talking about all sorts of different things in this Creator, The Creator, Revealed series of programs. I hope that you'll join us for future episodes. We've certainly enjoyed spending this time with you. God bless you. Listening to The Creator Revealed, a production of 3ABN Television.